everybody, welcome to the Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips, Reseller Talk Podcast, episode number five. My name is Ryan, and as always, I will be your host. Um, man, it's hard to believe I've already done, well, I'm working on the fifth one of these, but uh, in today's episode, we're going to talk, we're going to take a little walk down uh, Return and Scammer Lane, and uh, just talk about you know, kind of my feelings on the prevalence of unnecessary or unwarranted returns and scammers and the whole customer satisfaction aspect of that piece of reselling. We will have our normal kind of weekly uh, what's going on in the news recap. And then we will have not only the normal weekly recap of the Galaxy CDs Rocks business, but since July is now behind us, we'll take a look at the month of July as a whole. So a couple of recaps for you there. Man, more excitement than you should be able to have in one podcast, right? <laughs> so if that's your kind of thing, hang on for the ride and let's just dive right in to uh, scammers and returners on really on any platform, but the uh, the most contentious one really seems to be on eBay. And I'm just, I appreciate your thoughts and I'll ask for them probably on more than one occasion as I go through this, but um just how prevalent are scammers on eBay? How many returns actually are there? You know, if you look at any given day um, in a Facebook group or any eBay-related message board, you might be convinced that scammers and or slash chronic returners make up the majority of the people on eBay. Now, I know the internet is just generally full of the whinier among us, Um and is negativity kind of rules the day in all those all those places anyway, but man, the level of disdain that resellers have for their buyers, their customers, the actual lifeblood of their business, man, it's uh, it's extraordinary. And you would think that it, you know if you go on there and you read, you'd think that every return request is a scam or at least a lie or an exaggeration or somebody just making something up trying to you know, get something over on a seller. Um, Every follow-up question to an item that's already sold is some kind of an attempt to extort a uh, partial refund or some kind of an adjustment. And man, as somebody with a lifetime of work in the retail and customer service industry, it's just shocking to me uh, to see that, really that kind of attitude towards, towards your buyers. So first off, I would say, yeah, we're businesses now. You know, if you if you want to be in a position where you don't have to deal with customer issues or returns or complaints or questions, you need to maybe just have a perpetual garage sale um, and just be done with it. And the customers can come and they can buy the stuff. And there's no expectation at a garage sale that an item is returnable or that it will work or that it's anything other than what the customer sees in their hands. But man, if you're going to sell online uh, to an end consumer, you're you're a business. You're not just a person working out of your basement for fun anymore. Returns, adjustments, um, customer questions, complaints—they're they're all part of the cost of doing business. And you know, to be completely frank, if you're not willing to deal with that, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. I, I don't know why one would think that every single item you ever sell should necessarily stay sold. Now, I know in an ideal world, you know, that would be perfect. Uh, if everything that left here stayed gone and the money stayed in my bank, 
I'd be a real happy man. But that's just not the way consumer retail, be it you in your basement selling on eBay or Mercari or wherever, uh, or retail in, in the wider world works. Big companies, they budget a certain amount into their plans for returns and adjustments and just customer satisfaction issues. And the idea that we as resellers should be any different literally blows my mind, uh, especially considering the number of us, myself included, of course, that are selling second or even third or fourth hand goods. We're not all selling you know, brand new products that should be free of defects or issues or have questions. And the final arbiter in any case of the quality of your items and of your service is always the customer, the end user and the person that's paying the money for the stuff. Now, I'm sure the number uh, and the prevalence of this issue seems skewed just by the nature of the negativity online, but it would seem as though a significant portion of resellers just don't believe they should ever have to take a return ever for any reason, and that's it's just not realistic. To a greater or lesser extent, it's also completely within your control. Providing accurate details in your listing, taking a lot of good photos, that kind of stuff should eliminate all but the most random of returns. Now, in some categories, obviously, like clothing, for instance, returns are just naturally going to be higher than they are in other categories. You know, you try on three different pairs of shoes that are all listed as being the same size, and they all fit a little differently. So clothing is kind of its own animal. Um, but otherwise, it's just part of the cost of doing business that things are going to come back. Things are going to go the wrong way. Someone is going to want to return something. Spend, spend a day in a brick-and-mortar retail, uh, particularly a clothing store, and have your outlook on returns uh, altered significantly when you see how much stuff is coming back. When I had my little record shop back in the early 2000s, it was literally right next door to a woman's uh, clothing store. And man, I'd, I'd look out into the parking lot some days and it seemed like there was more stuff going back into the store than was ever coming out of it. Now, I know obviously that's not true because the store was very successful and did very well and, and you know, was always busy, but I know it can look like that, um, but it's, that's just not the case. And I'm curious why an online reseller would think that their experience selling again on eBay or Poshmark or wherever would be any different than that, than a regular retail store who has and accepts returns. Now, overall, it seems like many resellers do have an extraordinarily high level of returns. And I, I think about that and I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around how that can be. Now, just to give you an example, my return rate for the last three months is 0.29%. That's not 2.9%. That's 0.29%. I've had three returns on 1,052 sales. And one of those is actually still pending. The guy hasn't actually put the thing in the mail yet. So it may, he's got like two more days, I think. The clock's ticking. Uh, if he doesn't put that thing in the mail, that return's going to close and I'm going to be at two out of 1,052. So I see sellers online and they're talking about, you know, taking five, six, or even higher percent of returns. And I'm like, man, what what is going on? How is that even possible? I just, I don't understand how that can be happening if 
we're doing things correctly on the front side. To me, it seems like the ticket to success in keeping stuff sold and not taking returns, and I've mentioned this previously, is disclose, disclose, disclose. If there's a mark on an item, man, put it in the description and take a picture of it. Don't list an item as new if the package is damaged. Or if you're going to try to pull that off, at least explain in great detail in the description and take a picture of exactly what that damage is and why you're still considering that item to be new so that the customer can make that decision before they give you their money and get the thing home. That, to me, that's probably the biggest key to being successful with not taking returns. The more accurate you are up front, the less likely you are to have unhappy customers and, in turn, returns. Now, are there scammers out there? Of course there are. And if you think you're dealing with one, why obsess about it? Take the return, relist the item, block the suspect, and just move on. It's business, and it happens to companies as big as Walmart and Amazon and to your little eBay store with 50 or 60 listings. It's just the nature of the beast. It's going to happen. And sellers always seem to want eBay to take their side in these return issues. And as mentioned previously, eBay is going to view this as a cost of doing business and as a customer satisfaction issue. And unless it's particularly egregious and blatantly obvious that it's a scam, they're going to side with the customer. And this is kind of a monster of our own making. Traditional retail has essentially been doing it this way for years. You can take an item back anytime, anywhere, any condition, with or without a receipt, and you can return it. Sometimes you can even get your money back. I mean, it's crazy, and I've experienced that firsthand as a retail manager for years and years and years. Retail stores have made the calculation that it's not worth fighting over. Take the pain, move on to the next sale. For reasons that I can't begin to understand, it seems as though resellers feel that they should be immune from those patterns of behavior that pervade the wider retail marketplace. And again, that's, it's just not the case. And we're probably fortunate that most of our customers don't actually frequent the same sites that most of us do, so they can't see how poorly we collectively seem to view them. Now, I get it. People can generally be a little frustrating, but in terms of the retail world, like I said, it's a beast of our own creation. Uh, retailers across the country, probably across the world, have just allowed a culture of returning items for any reason to become the norm. And the rest of us, the small-time sellers, we're just kind of forced to go along. Now, if you operated your own website and sold only off there, you could set your own policies and try to not take anything back. But if you're going to sell on somebody else's platform, be it Amazon or Mercari or eBay, you're kind of at the mercy of how they view that. And it's in their best interest, unfortunately for us, to take the customer's side. But we still want to fight it. We don't want to offer returns at all, or if we do, we make them customer paid. And that it's just, it doesn't instill confidence in the customer on the way in, and it certainly won't inspire any sort of loyalty on the back end if there's an issue. Now, I recently, I bought a microphone from bestbuy.com, and I got it free shipping, and I got it here, and I hooked it up, and I was really disappointed in the quality. I just... It was noisy and it just didn't, it didn't really do a good job. So I requested a return and they sent me a free UPS label 
to return the item. Easy peasy. It was all a great customer service experience, and it was essentially pain-free for me as a consumer. And that's the mindset of big business and of retail, and it should be for us as resellers as well, in my opinion. Now, you can say, of course, you know, Best Buy is a multi-million dollar company. They can afford that, but they're also doing tens, if not hundreds of thousands of transactions, and their return percentage probably isn't that much different than yours or mine. They take a lot of stuff back. It's a lot of money. And again, the customer that's buying from you on eBay, they don't really view you any differently than any other business. They're, they didn't pick this thing up at a garage sale. They didn't get a chance to inspect it firsthand. They're relying on you as a business to provide accurate information and details and photos. And they view that transaction as buying from a business. And they expect the same treatment as they would from virtually any other business on the planet, be it Amazon, Best Buy, and so on. I really don't expect to change anybody's mind with this rant, to be fair. Um, as with many things in life, people tend to kind of repeat the same behaviors over and over, whether they're beneficial or not. And once they're locked into a mindset, they, they pretty much stay there. But that said, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this. Um, whether you agree with me or disagree um, about the prevalence of returns and scams. And, and again, maybe any one individual's experience might be different. And maybe I'm the outlier with, you know, a 0.29% return. Maybe I'm just exceedingly lucky. Uh, but I feel like that's probably closer to the norm um, than you would be led to believe on some of these message boards. Uh, you know, like I said, three returns and 1,050 sales, give or take, in the last three months. And if everybody was a scammer, just the law of averages, I'd have more than three returns. Um, so I just, I don't think it's as big a problem as you would be led to believe on the Facebook groups and the various message boards. So again, to my mind, a return is just part of the cost of being in business. And every item that comes back to me is an item I can, will, and do just sell again. And if I feel like the customer has been in any way acting in bad faith on the deal, I can easily just block them and not have to worry about it again. If I do my job right on the front end as a business, I can already significantly reduce the amount of returns that I'm liable to take. So in the end, the returns are almost entirely within my control and certainly my attitude about them is completely within my control. And that attitude ultimately is everything. Not stressing this allows me to do productive work, sleep well at night, and make good money. So let me know what you think about all that. Have you experienced a scam? What did you do? How did you handle it? Do you have a lot of returns? And what do you think is the cause of those? Do you think it's all just bad customers? Or is there something you could be doing differently? or better, in your listings to help eliminate that. If you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to leave a comment in the comments below. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're on Anchor, you can leave me a voice message uh, or shoot me an email. Uh, it's galaxycds at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts. And with that, speaking of Anchor, uh, we're going to take a quick sponsor break and then I will be right back. And we're back, and let's just jump straight into news updates. 
the news. It was a bit of a mixed bag this week for our friends over at eBay. Um, man, it's they they completed the sale of the that classified unit last week, and then this week they reported their best quarter in 15 years and their stock dropped 3%. <laughs> uh, I, I guess, you know, the stock always goes up on, on the rumor and the conjecture and the innuendo and then the actual results get posted and the stocks almost inevitably drop. Uh, but that was a weird one um, for eBay to have announced the the kind of results that they did for the last quarter and then suffer a, a pretty significant drop in their stock price was pretty surprising. Some of the things that added, I think, to that, there was a report this week that Shopify has surpassed eBay in sales for the first time ever. So revenues at the uh, Canadian e-commerce company were up 97%, uh, which way, way, way outperformed Wall Street estimates, which I suppose should give you some idea of how good Wall Street is at actually estimating this sort of thing. But that's probably a topic for a different podcast. But in any event, um, they passed eBay for the quarter in terms of sales. They're, they're garnering a lot more interest from new companies. They've got a lot of growth with, in particular, it sounds like in food, beverages, and tobacco. Um, in addition to you know strong performance in their traditional categories, which are tend to be apparel and cosmetics, so tons of new retailers joined Shopify in the last quarter. Um, from like Stetson, the company that makes all the cowboy hats, and Molson Coors. So you know Shopify is doing really well. So despite having their best quarter in fifteen years, that news probably did not help eBay's stock. The another issue that I think probably is weighing on investors' minds uh, is the fact that based on current projections, um, that's not even a word, Ryan, uh, trajectory, how's that? Trajectory and projections. I just made up a brand new word, trajections. So write that one down. <laughs> uh, you got a new word today. So the, the Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast has coined a new word. Um, in any event... Walmart is likely to surpass eBay as America's number two online marketplace sometime later this year. So you've got some things, despite things looking pretty good at eBay, um, there's there's some stuff out there going against them. Now, the new CEO um, professes a little concern about that, arguing that the sales surge from shoppers afraid to visit stores, he thinks is ultimately a long-term change in customer behavior. Um, he believes that this will be, as we keep hearing with other things related to COVID, quote-unquote, the new normal. People are just going to be buying a lot more online going forward. Um, eBay claimed that they attained over 8 million new customers in the last quarter, which is a staggering number of people that, had never shopped on eBay before and uh, came around to the dark side and uh, found some stuff on eBay to buy. So uh, they also attracted a huge number of new sellers, most of which are doing well at the moment. That'll be interesting to see as well. This is not really news. This is more of a commentary and a side tangent. But the guys at Pure Hustle, Pure Hustle Podcast talked about this 
um, earlier in the week. You've got a lot of new resellers who have joined in kind of at the height of reseller mania. I mean, things are going great guns right now. And there's a lot of new, newer resellers who are not, you know, their only experience is the COVID-19 situation. So if things go back to the old normal and people stop buying so much stuff online, are those new resellers, are they really positioned? Do they really have the right mix of products? And you could probably say that about any of us, new or old, um, to sustain our business if things go back at some point to the way they were. Now, based on the um, trajectory of the pandemic, I would not expect that is going to happen anytime soon, obviously. Uh, But it is a, a real concern, particularly for the newer resellers that, you know, you're only getting a taste of the best of times in terms of reselling. I hate to say anything about best of times with all that's going on in the wider world, but that's essentially where we're at as resellers. This is kind of, you know, one of the heydays to make some bank in reselling. And obviously as that impacts individual sellers, how will that and the potential for it to go back to some semblance of normal effect eBay and Shopify and Amazon? Probably not so much Amazon, although to get back to news, uh, they have maybe some bigger issues, particularly as regards their treatment of third-party sellers, which I think make up a not insignificant portion of their marketplace. And I'm going to be talking, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, um, with someone who does a lot of Amazon selling and FBA. And you know, we'll talk a little bit about his, you know, the fee structures and how much margin he's giving to Amazon in order to get the sales velocity that obviously Amazon provides. But as part of the antitrust hearings that were going on this way, uh, this week rather, there was a lot of testimony from some of the third party sellers who indicate that, you know, Amazon is kind of badgering them. They're deleting their listings or gating them on items that they've successfully sold in the past. There are allegations that, Amazon is, despite their own stated policy to not do this, that they are looking at uh, strong merchandise sales from third-party sellers and then creating their own branded product to compete against that third-party seller's product, uh, which kind of defeats the purpose of allowing third-party sellers to have success and make money. Um, So it's going to be real interesting times to see the, I, I guess that congressional report isn't really due out until the end of the year. So n- nobody really knows how that whole thing's going to go. But it did not, uh, Amazon did not come out looking all that great through that particular hearing. Um, and it, one of the bigger ones was uh, the CEO of PopSockets, David Barnett. Um, he laid out a series of alarming interactions with Amazon, claiming they pressured him to lower his prices. Uh, threatening to sell back any excess inventory of his at cost, um, threatening to source competing vendors um, to make products for them that would essentially be a replacement for his product. So those are the kind of things that when Congress starts throwing around um, terms like monopolistic practices, those are the kind of things that they look at. So it's going to be really interesting to watch over the next few months what 
what happens with those hearings, what happens with that congressional report, and what, if anything, Amazon does to kind of change their trajectory in terms of how they treat, in particular, their third-party sellers. So I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. Um, there's been some chatter about, uh, even with Facebook and some of the other big tech companies, splitting them up into smaller companies, but it's not, this isn't the railroad business where you can, you know, you've got kind of infrastructure that you can section off. The The internet just doesn't really work that way. So it's, you know, how do you, how do you have Apple and the iPhone without the app store? You can't, how do you split that off? It's still part of the Apple ecosystem. I, I just don't understand logistically how you would do something like that. So it's going to be really fascinating to see uh, what, if anything, they come up with to uh, kind of reduce this, this feeling, at least, of monopoly. I'm not, uh, I'm not convinced any of that's going anywhere, but you never know. So now it's time for our, as I said, weekly and this time monthly recap. I think I mentioned in the last couple of videos um, that I did on YouTube, that business has actually been really, really good. And the numbers bear that out. Um, so the week from July 26th through August 1st, so again, Sunday through Saturday, uh, total sales for me, a really interesting uh, 13, 13, 33. Man, if I could have just made 20 cents less, <laughs> it would have been 13, 13, 13. And I'd have been buying some pick four or pick six lottery numbers. But yeah, a little over 1,300. That's the second week in a row for me, over 1,300. Um, actually, it's the third week because there was also a week in there that was like 1,800. So really, really good. Cost of goods sold for last week, uh, $59.44. I sold a couple of small electronics items, so my cost of goods sold was actually a little bit higher um, than the week prior. But nonetheless, the gross profit percentage a stellar 94, I'm sorry, 95.47%, which is super. Um, obviously, we will take that all the time. Operating expenses for the week. It was that week where I take my charge for my eBay fees, which for the uh, 30 days they charged me for were $563.74. So my net profit for the week was only 18.5% or about 250 bucks. So... That doesn't sound all that great for the week, but again, I've I've got that month's worth of fees all consolidated into a week. I'm still on the managed payments train. I have not um, gone live as of yet, but I'm excited to get on there and get that done so I can get those expenses accounted for kind of in the week in which they occur instead of taking that one big bill every month. So looking forward to that for the month. Um, I'd have to go back and double check, but I'm pretty confident I can say this was my best month since I started selling full-time back in October. Uh, gross sales, 63.49.04. Um, I think I've had one other month that was over six grand. So this was really good. Obviously, a portion of this was the, the yard sale slash overstock sale. So there's 460 bucks, give or take there. Um, so otherwise it would be right at kind of the $6,000 mark, but still an outstanding month. Cost of goods sold, 
only $461. So my net profit overall, 92.74%. You take out all the operating expenses. Um, my income for the month of July before taxes was 34.75 and some change, 54.74% net margin. Um, kind of my target is to be around 50% plus. So I was right there. Um, this is financially, if I could hit that kind of number month in and month out, I would be very, very close to where I want to be on a consistent basis. Um, would not be eating ramen once or twice a week. I'd, I'd be going down to Texas Roadhouse and having a ribeye instead. <laughs> uh, but overall, uh, July was really, really good. Um, I'm looking forward to what August may bring. Uh, hopefully your business is good. I'm still, I mentioned this, I think last week in the podcast that I see a lot of sellers talking about sales being a little slow. And I've seen that over the last couple of days, there's more. And again, like I talked about in the, uh, you know, kind of the returns and scammers, negativity is the rule of the day on the internet anyway. Um, but it seems like a lot of sellers are, are suffering from kind of a summer slump. And I, I don't know if that's what that would be related to. And it's hard for me to, to even comment on because I'm not experiencing it at this point myself. My sales have been as good or better than they've ever been. So uh, let me know in the comments what your business looks like, how you're doing, how was July, what are your thoughts for August. And um, hopefully everybody is doing well and staying healthy. Um, you're not playing for the uh, Miami Marlins, and man, what a mess that is. If you follow baseball at all, um, I think it's something like two-thirds of the team came down with COVID this week. So bad, bad news for them. And with that, I'm going to call it a wrap. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast, and I will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>